Hi, Journey. I'm Doyle, your congregational care pastor. I want to thank you for joining us for a Sunday worship gathering. Today, we begin our Proclaim Message series, which leads us into Christmas. Let's prepare our hearts to hear what God has for us today. And please give a warm welcome to Student Ministries Director, Mark Archia. Hey, guys. Um, like Doyle said, thanks for the shout-out. My name is Mark. Uh, good morning. Welcome. I'm super glad you're here. I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving, whether you spent that with uh, your family or friends or maybe alone. Uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm really glad that we're here together. Uh, today marks the first day of Advent, for those of you who may know, may not know. And uh, along with the first day of Advent, it's our first series, our first message of our series we're calling Proclaim. And in, in this series, we're going to look at the angels proclaiming the message, the good news, the gospel to different groups of people. Today and this morning, we're actually going to look at Luke chapter 2, if you want to get ready for that. And we're going to look at the angels proclaiming the message to the shepherds. But before we get started, I kind of wanted to center our time together. And, and so first, Advent, like what is Advent? Literally, it means waiting. And for those of us who are Jesus followers and, and worshipers and believers, it, it's where we re-engage with and wait with the anticipation of the birth of Jesus. I would say it's also a season where we are aware of and we begin to wait into what it means to wait for the good news right now. It's a season where we can think about where do we need good news? Where do we need the gospel in our lives right here, right now, today, and tomorrow? And so a candid question as we get started, you'll notice that your notes pages is blank. So those of you who like to journal, you have a lot of space today. Um, my first question to you up front is, are you waiting for some good news? Are you waiting for some good news? Do you need some good news in, in your marriage, in, in a broken relationship, maybe with a family member, or maybe with a friend at the middle school or the high school? Or, or do you need some good news around that job or the budget or maybe a raise or that bill? Do you need some good news around anything in your life? What do you need good news in your life? And if I was you, I would go ahead and encourage you to write that down. I'm gonna ask you this morning to keep that front and center in your head and in your heart as we go through the message this morning. And since I'm up here and they trusted me with a microphone, uh, I'll go first. Um, honestly, if I was to think of, man, where do I need good news, Mark, in my life? Uh, I'm recently married. This is month four. And my wife and my, my mom and dad from Billings actually came up to, to listen and to be with us. Um, but as I've re reflected and as I thought between the nine and the 11, I thought I would at least share this with you. Um, I think I'm still waiting. Day by day, I wake up and I need good news about who I am. I still need good news to know that God loves me and that there's hope in my identity being with him. And I, and I work at a church. So if I'm honest, that's what I think I, I still need good news about. And the reason I share that about me being married is because, man, it's really easy. And I could share story after story of waking up and wanting my wife to fulfill me, wanting my job to fulfill me. And it never does. So I, I still think I'm waiting for good news day in and I have to lean into that, that God does love me and you as well. So secondly, like I said, this is the first message that we're calling Proclaim. And specifically this morning, we're going to look at some shepherds hearing some good news from some of God's messengers, some angels, right? 
And again, if you don't know me, you'll find this out real quick. I love to, I love to ask questions. So here's another question for you. But this time, you have to engage. So my challenge to you is unlike the nine, you have to talk. Um, you can't just think about it or write it down, although you could do either of those things. My question is this. What is the gospel? What is the good news, at least for those of us who are Christians, that we, that we hear Christians talking about, churches talking about, or that we should be talking about? What is the gospel? Um, my guess is that if you've spent any time around Christians, if, if you've spent any time around a church, quite frankly, if you've spent any time here in America, you've heard the gospel or the Christian news maybe. And my guess is that as you answered that question, you or your partner probably said something along the lines of, the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that because he did that, we can have a relationship with God again, one that we were always intended to have. And maybe we even explained it that this gap between us was sin and that Jesus overcame sin on the cross. And while I would stand up here and absolutely agree with that statement, and I would say as Christians, we must stand by that statement, I want to ask more questions, of course. Uh, and one of this, this first question is to help us engage with Advent. What if I asked you again, what is the gospel? Same question, one word, three words, or 30 words, but I told you that you couldn't use the name or the person of Jesus. What would you have said? And my hope in, in, in asking that question is this, that we would quite frankly begin to see where is the good news without Jesus? And that that would maybe start to create a longing and anticipating or waiting sense in us. As we Christians here or anybody here gathered, join in the first day of Advent along Christians around the world. And finally, before we dive in, here's my second question. Why should you care? Why should you care? Whatever you're hoping there's good news for, whether it's your marriage or a friendship or quite frankly money, a job or whatever. Maybe it's something more personal like mine. Why should you care? Why should you care about the good news, this good news as you come here on a Sunday? And I would ask that you be honest and you carry that with you throughout the rest of the sermon. Uh, But first, let's see what God has to say. Around the time of Elizabeth's amazing pregnancy and John's birth, John the Baptist, that is. This is Luke, beginning of verses one through 20 from The Voice. The emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, required everyone in the Roman Empire to participate in a massive census. Each person had to go to his or her ancestral city to be counted. Mary's fiance, Joseph, from Nazareth in Galilee, had to participate in the census in the same way everyone else did. Because he was a descendant of King David, his ancestral city was Bethlehem, David's birthplace. Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy that the messenger Gabriel had predicted, accompanied her fiance, Joseph. While in Bethlehem, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. Nearby, in the fields just outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators in the darkness of night. And suddenly a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them. And the darkness was replaced by a glorious light. Actually, it was the shining light of God's glory. They were terrified. But the messenger said, don't be afraid. Listen. I bring good news, news of great joy, news that will affect all people everywhere. Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket, again, lying in a feeding trough. 
At that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of others, a vast heavenly choir, and they praised God. To the highest heights of the universe, glory to God and on earth peace among all people who bring pleasure to God is what they praised. And as soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into the heavens, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. Let's rush down to Bethlehem right now, they said. Let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. So they ran into town and eventually they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a feeding trough. After they saw the baby, they spread the story of what they had experienced and what had been said to them about this child. Everyone who heard their story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. Mary too pondered all of these events, treasuring each single memory in her heart. The shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for all they had seen and heard, and they glorified God for the way that they had experienced had happened and the way it unfolded just as the heavenly messengers had predicted. Predicted. Would you pray with me real quick? Father, thank you so much. Our Father, not my Father, our Father. Thank you so much for this time, for this space where we can be together. We can lift your word up high so that we can try to understand you, Jesus, all in the hopes that we can understand you, Father. I pray this morning... Um, God, that you would sit my butt down with everybody else and that I would hear from you as we talk. God, would you humble me and any words that come out of my mouth, would they be straight from you? And if they're not, would you silence me? God, thank you that indeed there is good news and I can't wait to share that. Father, thank you that you love us so much. We love you too. Everybody said, amen. So as we jump into Luke 2, I promise, Luke 2, we're going to look at verses 8 through 20. I'm going to be reading from the NLT. They'll be uh, up on the screen as well if you want to follow along. And before we do, I want this to be our goal this morning. I want us to become the shepherds in this story. And what we'll see actually in the very outset of Luke 2 is the writer Luke seems to drop these like historical anchors about Caesar Augustus and the census, remember? And it's almost as if he's saying, don't just think this is a story. Remember, this is reality. This is history. This really happened. And so keep that in mind as we jump in. And some other historical context and maybe some things to shape this story for us are this. Caesar Augustus has just become the emperor of Rome. He's conquered lands and unified lands all through war, but there's this like outward peace maybe starting to happen. And he declares this massive census, probably for the sake of tax, right? And both of all of these things can be accredited outside of just the Bible, actually. And then we read in this story of Luke 2, that Joseph, he's going to go to his ancestral hometown, Bethlehem. He was born in Nazareth, but he needs to go to his, to his ancestral hometown in Bethlehem. And that Mary, his, not wife, his fiance or bride-to-be is going to, is going to accompany him. And we, we read that she's late in her pregnancy. So women and guys, she's not here. She's out here. And she's going to accompany Joseph to Bethlehem. And she wasn't required to go to Bethlehem. So I was wondering, man, why would she go? And as I read some commentaries and some research, here's what I found. One, it would make sense for her to go because she's late in her pregnancy and she wants to be with her fiance, obviously. But two, she, they were out of wedlock when this baby is being born, right? So that you can bet that in the small town of Nazareth that there's eyes darting around whenever she walks by as her stomach gets a little bit bigger. In the small town of Nazareth, her neighbors and all the people there have some whispers. 
And just like you and I can notice whispers in our life, I'm sure Mary knew. So maybe this was a chance for her to escape some of the gossip. We also read that while she got to Bethlehem, which was an 80-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that's not easy, guys, for those of us who are trying to take care of our fiance as she's late in her pregnancy. 80 miles, they get to Bethlehem and they couldn't find an inn. And people aren't exactly sure if where Jesus was born was actually a cave where the animals stayed and then put into a trough or a manger, or if it was actually the first floor of where the animals would have stayed. But regardless, we know that this baby is laid in a manger, wrapped in a blanket, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he, he lays in a place that animals eat. But we're not there, because we're shepherds, remember? But all of this is going on in Bethlehem. But we're near Bethlehem, starting in verse eight. Let's pick it up. As we jump into the shepherd's shoes or sandals. Verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Okay, pause. I know I, I'm trying to stick to the, I'm trying to stay in there. We'll get there, I promise. But before we jump into verse nine even, we gotta understand what it's like to be a shepherd in those days. And we're pretty sure that it's not December that this is actually going on because that would have been way too cold for us to normally be outside with our flock of sheep. But it's not super uncommon in Judea for the climate to be that of like Southern California. So maybe it is December and it's fairly warm and we're outside with our sheep. And if we're Bethlehem shepherds, this is also true of us. The sheep that we raise are gonna be given to Bethlehem for the temple sacrifices. So it was common for us to know the religion of our time. We knew all about the sacrifices and the Levitical law. We knew all about it. But we, you and I as shepherds, have a terrible reputation with the people that were around in our towns. And it kind of makes sense, why? Because as we were trying to take care of our flocks of sheep, maybe we would wander off a little bit just because there's a little bit greener grass over there and we want our sheep to stay healthy, so we'll go over there and then we'll leave and we don't leave that land in the best condition. And then maybe as we pass through a town or as we're traveling, we happen to gain 20 or 50 sheep. So very quickly we get this reputation of being unreliable. So unreliable, in fact, that shepherds in this time weren't even allowed to give their testimony in the courts of law. That is who we are. And we're gazing up at the stars and we're protecting our sheep. In verse nine, let's pick it up. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among us. An angel of the Lord appeared among the shepherds. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in stripes of cloth lying in a manger. Now pause. I love the way Luke starts chapter, not chapter, but verse nine. He says suddenly, and it's this word that he actually uses a lot in his gospel, so maybe it's one of his favorites. And the reason that I like this word suddenly, if we break it down in the Greek, is this. It communicates this not off in the distance, but this up close and personal experience. As we're laying there with our sheep, this angel and this light didn't come off way over there. It's right here, up close and personal, right with us. And friends, what, what is the good news What's the question that I asked you earlier? What's the good news that is proclaimed by these angels? 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. Friends, the good news is Jesus. Okay, it's baby Jesus, but nonetheless. And maybe to more precisely say it, I would say that the good news starts with Jesus. The ABCs of the gospel, it's not ABCs, it's A through Z. We never outgrow the gospel. And I want to zone in just a little bit on this. I don't often like to do this, but I want to actually look at the Greek and the Hebrew of this weird little phrase, the Messiah, the Lord. That's what the angels proclaim this baby as, the Messiah, the Lord. And the Messiah would have been this. The Messiah would have been the one that we're waiting for. Advent, remember? And the Lord. It would refer to the master of the owner, a very lofty, in fact, the loftiest or highest title. If you trace the Lord from English to Greek to Hebrew, you find that we end up at Adonai. And Adonai is a substitute name or word that we would use when we came across the sacred and divine name, Yahweh. Same name that we sung about this morning. And when we come across Yahweh, it was so sacred that we couldn't say it. So we would substitute it with Adonai. And so here we see the angels are proclaiming and they're saying, the one you've been waiting for, that thing that you've been waiting for in your life for some good news, he's here. But he's not just someone, another prophet, another person. He is actually Adonai. He's Yahweh. He is God himself. The one you've been waiting for is God. Jesus is here. Verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has just told us about. And my first thought is, isn't that just like God to go from a single angel to then a a thousand heavenly host or an army of angels? Isn't it just like him to always be including more and more people in the story? And what are the angels saying? They're saying this, glory to God in the highest heaven. The the voice translation said, the the highest heights of the universe, glory to God and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. (laughs) I love that little paradox. We see God's angels are a part of this huge army, but what are they fighting for? Peace. And if this is an army and we're fighting for peace, who is our commander in chief, friends? He's a baby, commander-in-chief is a baby. And just like the world that these shepherds are living in, these angels are proclaiming into, and that this baby Jesus has been born into, yes, there might have been an outward peace. Maybe the country was doing well. But my guess is that just like us, there was an inward peace that many people longed for. A first century writer, philosopher, actually a pagan of that time, wrote this. While the emperor, Caesar Augustus, may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which men and women yearn for more than an outward peace. And isn't that true today? And the angels are proclaiming that this baby will bring an inward peace, not just an outward peace. Verse 16 They hurried to the village, the shepherds. We are hurrying to the village and we finally find Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby 
lying in the manger in that feeding trough. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So I I want us to, to see again, if we are the shepherds, I want to remind us, when's the last time you deemed yourself unreliable, just like these shepherds? When's the last time someone in your life, maybe someone you don't even know, deemed you unreliable? And if you had to choose someone to announce God coming to earth, who would you choose? I think I would choose someone in the community who is really well respected, someone that everybody knows has great influence, probably someone who's really good with words. And yet that's from our perspective, the human perspective. Who does God choose? He chooses the shepherds. He chooses the so-called foolish to save the so-called wise. And a quick reminder is this. If God can use the shepherds 2,000 some plus years ago to proclaim good news, surely he can use us. And, I, and before we go about proclaiming anything, I wanna notice the order that happens in this story and to these shepherds. Before they proclaim their experience and what the angel had told them, what they experienced, two things happen. First, they have to choose not to be terrified. We read that they are terrified and the angels say, don't be afraid. And second, and maybe more importantly, is this. In the voice translation, it says, don't be afraid, listen. Friends, when is the last time that we listened before we talked or we proclaimed anything? When's the last time we listened, not just to God as his spirit should guide us in our lives and as we share and as we live our lives, but also listen to the person across the table or the person that we're sharing with. Before you proclaim, first listen. And can you imagine what Mary's thinking during this whole time? Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. This reminds me of baby Jesus when he grows up and becomes a five or six-year-old boy and he kind of runs away from home and he's in the temple and he's displaying this crazy knowledge about God to these rabbis who've spent their whole lives studying. And here's this little boy who knows all these things. And he also seems to display some sort of weird relationship with God as he refers to God as his father. And at the end of that, the scriptures tell us that Mary treasured these things and stored them in her heart, just like this similar phrase. And it lends me to think, man, sometimes in life there's these moments where we, we should give up trying to understand them. We should just sit in them and soak them in. Uh, I've recently, I've had the pleasure of being a student teacher at Belgrade Middle School. I know, I said pleasure of being a student teacher at Belgrade Middle School. So what does that mean? That means I literally teach science to 13-year-olds. There's someone here in this room, I won't call you out, but you know exactly who you are because she's one of my students. And so here's what I will key you in on as my student teaching experience. I love it. I'm in youth ministry with Carling. I'm one of your student ministries directors. And my whole job is to figure out how to get around students so that they can hear this news. I'm with these 13-year-old students for like eight hours a day. And I, and I find myself, sometimes I catch myself and I have this like ridiculous smirk on my face. And it's because I absolutely love these students. I can always count on them being like perfectly annoying, talkative, curious, and awesome. And I slowly get to see myself see them as God sees them. 
And then I get to see God working in Belgrade, Montana. And here Mary is thinking to herself, what even brought me to Bethlehem? A, a giant emperor's decree for a census? Trying to get away from this gossipy town of Nazareth? And who are the first to visit my family and this baby that I've given birth to? Shepherds. It's a crazy backwards story. Verse 20, the last verse that we'll look at. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. And so what, what do we do as shepherds? What did these shepherds do? Well, we go back to work right? Monday through Friday, eight to five. And we go back to the mundane grind of life and work and family and relationships and all the stress and anxiety that comes with it. For those of you who are students, you go back into the school. But we just encountered and we just met with Yahweh. And yes, we know that the sheep that we're going to raise are going to go back to the temple for sacrifices. And yes, we know how our neighbors or how our town might view us as unreliable but we just met Yahweh. We came in as visitors. The shepherds came in as just mere visitors and they left worshipers. Who knew God would have been working so much in a couple shepherds and a family? And so th this is the part where I could ask you a bunch of questions. And friends, if I'm, if I'm honest, as I read this story, there was one question that landed on my heart the most. And I'll ask that first. Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you sharing this good news? And maybe before I ask that, I should ask you this. Are you, are you living the gospel? And Mark, what does that mean? <laughs> Great question. Well, just like the shepherds, are, are you resisting fear in your life? Are you listening to God's spirit nudge and say, I didn't create you to be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then are you listening to the Holy Spirit as he would nudge you in your life decisions and sharing your faith? But let me ask you this, was it listening to the angels or was it the shepherds choosing not to be afraid that transformed them? No, they met Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? Have you experienced that, that thing that you were waiting for? Maybe you wrote it down, maybe you just passed it in your head. Whatever you're waiting for some good news with, grades, family, broken relationships, stress, anxiety, discontentment, can you begin to see that it's not something you're waiting for, it's someone, and that someone, that, that someone that you've been waiting for, the Messiah, is also the Lord himself, is Yahweh, is God himself. If the answer is yes to all of those questions, awesome. Are you letting that transform you? What does that mean? Does that truth, as you trust that that is true, and as you get to know who God really is, does that trickle into every part of your life? When you wake up and you think about the hardship of marriage, do you let this good news into that part of your life? That Jesus alone could bring back intimacy to your sex life or could bring you back to physical health or cares enough about you to actually take care of you and your family, high schoolers, college students, middle schoolers, do you think that God cares about you enough to walk with you through a day where those schools are hard and there's judgment everyone and everyone seems fake? Christian, do you trust that there is life after death? And that means that we also have to walk the same footsteps as our Savior, 
who yes, was a baby in a trough at one point, but then grew up and died on a cross and sat in the grave and then experienced resurrection life. And finally, are you listening and responding to God as he would ask you to share this good news? His final words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let me remind us what the shepherds experienced at the very end. The shepherds spread the story of what they had experienced and what had been said to them about Jesus. Everyone who heard their story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. And as the shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for all they had seen and heard, they glorified God for the way the experience had unfolded, just as the angels had predicted. Do you know what's predicted of you? Ephesians 2 reads this, for you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared in advance for you to do. That is what is predicted of you. So now I'd like to to actually ask us to set our physical things aside and I wanna move into a time of prayer. And and here's what I would say if I could try to shape this a little bit of what this time would really be. Would you ask God what he would want to say to you for this time, for this Sunday, for this next week, for your life? This is a time for me to stop talking and for you to start talking with God. I have a couple questions And then I'll close this, but I will actually give you quiet time with our Father. My first question is simply this. Have you met Jesus and trusted the good news that he is Lord? Is this good news seeping into every part of your life? Or is there a very specific part of your life that you are too afraid to let Jesus into? Is there anyone in your life that God would maybe be asking you to share this news with? And if so, is there anything that God would be particularly asking you to do? A phone call, an invite, a question, a hug. In just a second, I'm going to give uh, you, anyone, a chance to respond to the gospel or perhaps meet Jesus for the first time. And I'd actually like to invite you as, as you're praying to continue to pray. Instead, now maybe shift your focus and be praying for each other. Be lifting each other up in prayer. And if you're someone that right now, maybe last week, you've been here with us, gathering and worshiping with us, and you feel that God is prompting you or nudging you or inviting you in more, and you want to cross that line of faith and say, you know what? I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to trust then I would invite you to pray something along the lines of this in your own head or your own heart. God, I I don't understand everything, but in this moment, I am trusting that you are a good God. And even if it's just a glimpse in this moment, I hear and see the good news. Jesus is Lord. And through him, I I can be with you. God, I agree with you. I know that I've contributed to the hurt and the destruction and despair of this world. I have sinned, but I have a desire to be with you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing in my life. And I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. Here, I give you my life. 
Church, would you stand up with me? Yep, everybody. (laughs) And real quick, would we celebrate as we just have more people in our family? You can clap, you can cheer, whatever you want. And I'll leave us with this before our awesome band continues to worship. In one word, the gospel is Jesus. In three words, the gospel is Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.